Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Out in the cold, out in the dark, something's lurking at the edge of the park. People be warned, people beware, there's a storm on the rise and it's covered in hair. Hear him cry, hear him howl, looking for someone to disembowel. Claws like a hook, eyes like coal, feet so big they're gonna crush your soul. They call him Sasquatch. This is Yowie Central. Welcome to the show. I'm Sarah. Here at Yowie Central, we explore the latest on Yowie research in Australia. We hear Yowie witness testimonies and talk to the seriously dedicated researchers out there. And because I've always been fascinated by all sorts of mysterious phenomena, we go fossicking in rabbit holes galore. Paranormal encounters, UFOs and alien abductions, cryptid creatures, orbs, psychics and anything else kooky and spooky. I'm talking Yowies, magic and sacred stones this week with my two very special guests, renowned father and son duo Stephen and Evan Strong, respected authors, teachers and researchers. Stephen Strong is a secondary school teacher with a background in Aboriginal archaeology and education. He co-wrote two units of the Master of Aboriginal Studies program for Sydney University and the New South Wales Department of Education. Evan Strong has a Bachelor of Social Science degree with majors in psychology, archaeology, anthropology and sociology. They've spent many years learning and living with the Bundjalung Language Confederation and the Gamilaroi people of northern New South Wales. They are trying to change the worldview of Australian Aboriginal people, their culture and their effect on human development and civilization. The out-of-Australia theory, 
hence the name of their website, Forgotten Origin, Out of Australia Theory. They've also co-written a series of books, Constructing a New World Map, Mary Magdalene's Dreaming, and Forgotten Origin, Ancient Aliens in Australia, which was also co-written with Bruce Fenton and Daniela Cardenas. They've also authored Shunned and Between a Rock and a Hard Place. In our chat, Stephen and Evan very kindly shared what they've learnt over the years about our hairy friends, the Yowie, including that there are possibly two kinds of Yowie and three kinds of little people in our country. Lots of interesting info coming up. I can't wait to share it with you. And just FYI, they mention the original Australian term clever fella, which is also known as clever man, and it's a term meaning shaman. Stephen and Evan also talk about the Schumann frequency, which is something I find fascinating and something I'll explain to you now just so you know what it is, just in case you don't. The Schumann frequency or resonance is nicknamed the heartbeat of Mother Earth and Schumann resonances or frequencies are global electromagnetic resonances that are generated and excited by lightning discharges in the cavity formed by the Earth's surface and the ionosphere. Every second, about a thousand lightning flashes around the globe harmonise these pulses which travel around in this pocket, sending electromagnetic energy signals to all microorganisms. These signals connect us to Earth's magnetic field and they're also thought to be inversely influenced by the mass emotions and the sum of human consciousness. So humans are tuned to the resonant vibration of Earth. We all vibrate, and yes, that means you, and the frequency we emit ranges from between 5 to 10 hertz. We are in the same range as the 7.83 hertz of the Earth. And that is why some say that nature is healing to people. It helps them match the Earth frequency of 7.83 hertz, which boosts the body's natural ability to heal and regulate itself. Studies have also shown that the Schumann resonance frequencies have a particular effect on the human brain and nervous system, the cardiovascular system and the autonomous nervous system, circadian rhythms, immune function, DNA and more. Schumann frequency can also affect telecommunication services and affect the melatonin which influences the biological function such as the circadian rhythm of both animals and people. Now, we've heard of melatonin, which regulates the sleeping patterns, but it also apparently regulates blood pressure and reproduction too. So to sum up, human resonance are extremely low frequency waves in the Earth's magnetic field and they overlap with our brain waves, which I think is pretty cool. And just another FYI, 
The audio levels in this chat are a little bit inconsistent at times, particularly in the beginning, due to the fact that uh, Stephen and Evan were using just the one microphone on their computer and my audio level gets a little bit too loud due to the fact that I was trying to focus on getting their audio levels right and what they were saying as well as constantly adjusting microphones and so it was a little bit tricky to get perfect but it's still really enjoyable. So here is Stephen and Evan Strong. So there's there's all sorts of interesting things that I'd love to ask you about but why don't we start with the Yowie people. Okay, you start with that and then you go where you want and we'll follow you. Yeah, yeah we can tell you our different experiences with the, yeah. the big Yowies, the little Yowies and everything in between. Yep, no worries. We're happy to start with that and then we'll go on to other things wherever you want to take us. That cool. sounds perfect. So why don't we start with, I would love to hear your take on the Yowie people that we have here in Australia. Yeah. Uh, what, what do you know about them? What are some of your experiences with the, the Yowie folk? Well, here's the trick with that. Um, obviously, as you know, for the last 15 years, we've been working out in, out in country with lots of different original people. Um, and there's one thing that I've noticed. I have never met an old way original person who does not except the fact that Yowies exist. So it's sort of interesting because I know that whitefellas make fun of it and blackfellas take it very seriously, and it sort of sums up the difference between the two cultures to an extent. So what do we know about them specifically? A fair bit indirectly, isn't it, Evan? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, um, I, I know their smell's supposed to be a bit sulfury, and they actually hate how we smell with our soap and yeah, shit. they make funny of the we make fun of the fact that they smell bad, <laughs> but I got to tell you, from what we've heard, we smell worse to them than they do to us. <laughs> they really don't like our smell. The <laughs> things we do know about Yowies, and it's a really important part from this, from an original viewpoint, we believe that Yowies. Um, sort of cross dimensions a bit, don't they, Evan? Yeah, they can kind of phase in and out. Yes. I mean, they are a master of disguise yeah. and camouflage, yes, but they do seem to phase in and out um, and have that ability. Yeah, and we believe that when someone sees a Yowie, it's not happen chance, it's because they decided they'd show themselves to them. So I think it's really important that um, people sort of get their head around, A, that they do exist, which they do, and we've, we've got a few stories where we've been involved in it. But my understanding are, is that they, they, they don't trust us. They do trust children. They love our ch- when we are children, but as adults, they don't trust us in the least. So, And the other thing is, too, Yowies are very much like uh, male gorillas when they, they put on a show, but they are not aggressive yeah we got told what to do if one runs yeah it. yeah well, when we went on the country once up our way in the nightcap on one occasion we were going into country up at the nightcap which is a really dense rains forest and it's so easy to get lost in isn't it evan oh it's a shocker because there's no paths left really, a little of paths go. i swear to you it starts getting dark mid-afternoon oh god yeah well anyway <laughs> when 
we, we got to the um, – we knew that when we came in, the elders had warned us they'd found quite a few wallaby heads in that area. Now, what that tells you is the wallaby heads have been ripped off because you always eat meat. And they're so powerful, it's not funny. And they just ripped the head off. And we were told they were in the area and we were given a song. And that's how strongly original people believe in this. And we were given a song for the, the tribal region we were working with at the time. Uh, and a fellow, friend of mine called Binner knew the full song and he led us in that song and we sung them. We sung to them first. And the guarantee was if you sing to the Yowies that they know you're coming, they've heard your song and understand it's, uh, it's a request done properly through protocol and they won't harm you. But if they did... Ah, yes, and we were told this, and this is where it gets interesting. They have... They love arranging twigs. We got that off um, Gary Oper, didn't we, Evan? Yeah. They love making arrangements of twigs in the ground, and that's a really good sign. If you're in the bush... Well, if you can see... Um... Branches bent in weird directions. Oh, well, that's one. But when you see all the twigs in the ground, that means you're close and you want to be damn careful. And the best idea is if you get that close, get two rocks together, start banging them and letting them know you're there. But if they do run at you, we're told specifically what to do. And what we're told to do is if they run at you, look around on the ground, don't pick up a log, don't pick up a branch, pick up a twig and wave it at the Yowie. And the Yowie will then understand, number one, that you know their language, and number two, by brandishing a twig on a Yowie, he realises you're no threat. And once he realises, or she realises you're no threat, then you'll never be harmed by them. So that's the protocol. We've been... I've also heard, um, there was an elder we were speaking to that used to leave a plate of food out for it every night. Oh, yeah, Donnie. Yep. Yeah, up near Tamworth Way. We had him on quite recently on our online conference. Oh, I don't know if it was Donnie or someone else. No, it was Donnie. Okay. He, what he'd do was when he left somewhere, he'd cut up an apple and leave it behind uh, and cut it up for them. And when he came back, it was gone. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, yes. that yeah. was Donnie. Yep. Yeah. It's the first time I got one of those right, and you didn't. I'm quite <laughs> proud of that. I can't remember the people I'm talking to half the time, but I do remember about Yowies. And then there's a really interesting story we would like to share with you. Um, I don't know if you're aware of a show on TV called Bondi Rescue. Yes, yes, I, oh, I'm very familiar with that one. Okay. Well, one of the guys from Bondi Rescue, and he's one of the main people in there, his name is Harry's, right? And he presents himself as a person who's always smiling and sort of you might think he's a bit light, but no, he's a very deep thinker and he's been heavily involved in what we do. And on one occasion, I decided to take Harry on the country. Now, I want to make a point about this because of the fact that Harry, along with the lifesavers from Bondi, when people come onto their country, which is the beach, if they get into trouble... They will lie their, they lay their life down on the line to save you. In old way times, that's what the men did for the women and children. So we look upon what the – and remember, they do this in a cooperative manner, not like reality shows where we try to kill the other person or beat them in some respect. But they work together to save other people. So what we did was we decided because I regarded him as an elder because he's one of the elders of that tribe – and we don't care about black and white. That means nothing to us. I'm, we're black, but that doesn't mean a thing. So what happened was before we went in, 
we gave Harry, his wife, and his young uh, older son, Billy, we gave them ceremony. And as we went in, we told them that we're going into sacred grounds, and we mentioned the fact, as we did this, Sarah, that within this area, there are the hairy people, the big ones and the little ones. The little ones up our way, in Bunjalung way, we call them Nimbinja. And that's where the word Nimbin comes from, because that's where they live. Ah. And we've got plenty of stories about them playing around up there. <laughs> but anyway, we showed them a picture. And this is what I want to tell you about this picture, because it's very important when you hear what happens next. And it was a picture taken by, um, was it Birdsell Evan? I think it was Birdsell. Yeah, yeah. And he was standing next to little people, and they were about three foot tall, and the oldest member of the tribe was three foot, the male, and the females were about two foot nine. But if you'd taken Birdsell away, who was five foot ten, and he came up just above his hips and just looked at that person, you would swear they are a normal person of six foot, right? Their proportions are identical. And they've got hair like ours, you know, a little cut hair on the top and then all the skin and everything. And I showed him a picture and said, that is one type of, uh, of the little people we have here, but there are others. So none of them was spoken about the little hairy ones, which some people call little yaois, right? The little ones with the hair all over them, just like the yaois, but they're smaller. I never mentioned that to any of the group. I want to make that point now. So off we go. And by the way, what I'm going to tell you next, Harry's just been put up on this website and interviewed his son and got his son to tell you exactly the same, same story I'm going to tell you because he knows it's true. Ah, right. And I said to Harry's at the time, you sure you want to put this up, mate? When you put something like this up and put up the word yowies and little people, everyone laughs at you. He said, I don't care because it's real. So we're walking along and about 15 minutes, minutes later, we're just about to get to the grandmother tree. And Harry's son, Billy, grabs Daddy and says to Daddy, look over there, Daddy, by the tree. Look who's hiding behind the tree. It's a yowie, a little yowie. And then he says to Daddy, and he said, what does he look like? Because, by the way, remember, the little people love children. They hate adults, and they're the masters of disguise, and they, weren't, they never show themselves to humans. By the way, I've been to that site 40 times. I've never seen them there. Right. It's the first time Billy went there. And he described exactly what the little hairy people, the little yowies look like, with hair over their face and, and sort of like couldn't see, but they were hiding behind the tree. It was disguising. But he said, Daddy, I can see them. I can see them. And he asked Daddy, could he see them too? He said, I can't, but they're there. They're just there for you to see. Now, I want to make the point up our way. We know of a very famous story that happened here about 20 years ago where three original kids were lost in the bush near Nimbin. And they were gone for four days. And there were search parties out everywhere. Police, lots of white fellas and some black fellas. And I think it was late in the afternoon when the three kids just wandered out through the bush. And everyone was stunned because when you lose children for three or four days in the bush, that's not normally a good sign. Agreed? No, you no. should find them. <laughs> no, that's where you start to worry. Yeah. Anyway, the white fellas said, where you been? They said, oh, we've been with the little hairy people. And all the white fellas laughed. And the black fellas smelt them and said, oh, they have. <laughs> they knew straight away. And <laughs> the white fellas wanted to take them into Lismore and do interviews and stuff like that. And the black fellas stepped in and said, we'll take them away. And I was saying, don't you dare laugh at them. They're there. Remember, Nimbin is named 
It's actually really should be called Nimbinja, which is the place where they actually live. They're still there. Uh, there are also other places. So it was a few years ago. Oh, I, yeah. I was dropping a friend home, but I had to go over a causeway. So, you know, dropped her home um, and then got over the causeway, find her place, and on the way back, uh, that kind of wave that you're supposed to have in front of the car well, it didn't work. So the engine got wet and I, I pushed the car spluttering out of the causeway and then it wouldn't start. And I'm like, <sighs> so at one in the morning, <laughs> my, car, my car's broken down basically. And I, you know, waited half an hour and it's still not started. I'll run back up to my friend's place, um, which I did come from originally. And I thought, well, they might end up wondering where I was and come get me. No, they did not. <laughs> they just went, oh, whatever, he'll be fine. Oh. <laughs> um, so I, I'm, I'm like, oh, well, you know, it's five minutes drive. It won't take that long. And I started walking and I looked at my watch and went, oh, it's taking a bit of time. Looked over in the bush and I could hear rustling. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, it's probably an animal or something. But the whole way for about 10 minutes is rustling and it was getting louder and louder. And then I could hear, like, little voices chattering and I'm like, oh, okay, I, I feel like there's something in there. And then I look over and there's these little hairy. But these are tinier again, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, they're smaller and, and even smaller, mm. little translucent, but obviously still physical because I could hear them banging around and they were jumping from branch to branch. And then I looked at them and then they just started to laugh. And then they started to throw things at me and laughed louder <laughs> and louder. And I'm like, I'm just going to run faster now <laughs> so i'm running really really fast and the, the more i run and the scarier i got the more excited they got no, they're having fun. the cheeky little bastards <laughs> so i then burst into my friend's place um you know kicked the door down and collapsed inside and went there were little men chasing me and then one of my other friends stood up pointed at me and went i told you they were real because he'd seen them about a month before and no one believed him so that's not too far away. That was wasn't even in a secluded area like no, farmhouses every couple hundred meters and you know rural but not remote. Um, so yeah, that just goes to show you. And it wasn't just me; it was my other friend. Yeah, had seen them previously in in a similar location. Um, there was a little bit of regrowth rain for us, so probably just enough bush to, keep, house, them, to yeah. keep them going. But, yeah. yeah, they're a little bit naughty. So, guys, there's, there's something really important about this that's been missed in translation too. And I think it, it sort of sums up issues we still have to deal with in this country. The original people were living in this place for hundreds of thousands of years. In their dreaming stories, in their personal accounts, and in the statements they make today, they've made it clear that there are other types of beings that exist in Australia. And you know what's happened? They've been universally ignored by every academic, every politician and everyone in control and said, what a load of crap, they've just made it up. And to an extent, it's sort of like it's symptomatic of what happened when they first came here. They came here to steal the country. They knew there were people here. When they announced terra nullius, they knew damn well there were people there. But what they had to do when they announced terra nullius, that was actually a legal doctrine that didn't exist in the world. 
because it was called the law of the sea and there were three ways you could take land somewhere else through conquest through through warfare or through a treaty now they had to make a fourth category which was that these people were unworthy unlike any other indigenous people on the planet because every other indigenous group has had a treaty the Australian Aboriginal people have only ever had one treaty, which was signed by John Batman in Victoria. When he took it back up to Sydney, they burnt it. So what that meant was all the reports of Aboriginal people to begin with had to denigrate and lower their esteem and their worth. So as a result of that, the, the story, I mean, I do remember... Um, hearing about um, Rex Gilroy being asked to appear on 2GB about five or ten, maybe five, ten years ago. And he said he didn't want to go because I'll make fun of him because they would have. And they said, I don't want you calling me the Yowie man because that's what I get and I don't, don't get to talk about anything else. And they promised. They swore on a stack of Bibles. They would not bring it up. Within one minute into the interview, guess what they brought up? Yeah. And what they did from then is denigrated and made fun of him. But here's the point. What they don't realise, they didn't just denigrate Rex Gilroy. They denigrated all of the original people and all the keepers of law because all the keepers of law, all the ones who know the old stories, will tell you they exist. When they made fun of him and laughed at him, they laughed at all of those people. Now, we really appreciate that there are white people and there's an organisation. We know Paul McLeod and a few of the people involved in this. We appreciate the fact that they're going out of their way to try and prove something that we said is true. But it really is sad that at the moment you guys don't get the media you should get and the respect you should get because what you're doing is telling a story yeah. that is as old as this country. We know they exist and we know they're still here. And we know they don't trust us. And you know why they don't trust us? Because according to us, they don't even exist. According to the mainstream, they're not there. So from a Yowie point of view, well, if you guys don't think we're even going to be here, then we won't. And that's why. But then again, you know, it's funny. If you're a white fella and you live in Woodenbong. Yeah, so I have, far... I have a story about that, right? Oh, so yeah. Wooden, a... Woodenbong's notorious. Oh, it is. I mean, <laughs> the white fella's there will not agree with the white fellas okay. elsewhere. So right. I worked in a few different funeral homes as well as um, this stuff um, for a while and um, like 15 years. But so I'm out the back of nowhere, at the back of Woodenbong, between Woodenbong, Urbanville, Casino kind of area. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, well, we're in Yowie country. I'm going to ask these fellas what they think. And, of course, the... Uh, the one driving the car that was oh, probably in his late 50s, early 60s, going, oh, it's rubbish. And then the old fella that was no. 85 <laughs> looked at me, smiled and went, oh, yeah, you know, they're, they're definitely out here. And then he pointed at this road and went, if you ever are travelling on that road at night, stay in the car. Right. Till, till the sun comes up, you, you don't get, don't out, get out. out in the middle of the night. That's that road. And he said, oh, yeah. And then he rattled off some stories about old Farmer Joe that saw one. And, you know, he, he definitely had that look in his eyes like they're real. So it's that, that older generation of like, farmers mm. that have lived on the land know. Um, the truckies know if they're driving down the Pilliga State Forest <laughs> on the road through there, yes. there's a rule. If your truck breaks down, you sit in your truck 
and you call for someone to come in under no conditions at night, do you ever get out of your truck? That's right. So, I mean, this is the point. These are real stories, what we're telling you about. And the fact that the original people, when we went to one site, gave us a song so we could enter there, some people are going to say, oh, they, they just made it up or they don't understand. Well, I would say to you, you're insulting them. You really think you know everything and they know nothing. Well, that's not true because Yowies are known of in every tribal region in Australia. Um, what's the other story you got that um, a real estate agent friend of ours told us about in oh, yeah. the border ranges? So the army are out there doing um, <laughs> manoeuvres. But keeping in mind, parts of the border ranges have not changed since um, Gondwana lines split. So there's pockets of forest there that remain unchanged and untouched. Antarctic Beach, yeah. I, I reckon there'd be places there that probably no humans ever set foot in. Mm. So, you know, they're out there doing their thing, and I think they went, they kind of left camp, but left like maybe some meat slow roasting in, in the oven, <laughs> their little portable oven, and a few <laughs> things like that. But they had like. A big setup. They were planning on staying there for a couple of weeks. They had the generators and all of that. And they went, well, we'll go do our maneuvers, exercises. Yeah, come back. And then, you know, we'll come back mm. and we'll have some food. It'll be great. They came back. The whole place had been trashed, including these massive uh, generators, which they had to use, like those bobcat forklift things. They to picked put, them up know. and threw them, didn't they? Yeah, you had, you'd have to use that to get it on the back of a truck. They were tipped over and thrown around. The meters all, was all gone. Of course. They ate all their food and trashed the place, and they kind of just looked at each other and went, I don't know what did that, but let's all go now. Yeah. They, never went, <laughs> yes. they yeah. never went back. We've heard a lot of stories like that where some, particularly when the army go camping, I've even my, I've heard a story from my brother who went camping, and they don't like them there. If, you, if there's one group of humans that become really obvious to me, and you've got to remember, the army carry guns, right? Therefore, they see them as threats. Yeah. Now, with the army, that's different. They may turn on them because they're in their country and they're carrying guns and they're not doing it with respect. They will turn on them and they will pick up generators. I've heard quite a few stories from just trashing army people that are camping out and they've just done a runner. And they won't go back. And the higher ups have said, "Now you've got to go back and finish your drill." And they said, "Not there. We'll go somewhere else, but we're not going back there." And they don't. And all this stuff is known. All this stuff is known. But the point is, as you know, when you get a picture of a yowie, it's all. And I've seen quite a few of them. Some are quite convincing. Even if they are convincing, people will tell you, "Oh no, it's just somebody in a suit," and you can't win. You can't win. But from an original viewpoint, we find it insulting that we even have to validate or justify the fact they exist. Our dreaming stories tell us they do. I've also heard there are two types. Yes. And one is a bit more <clears throat> based in this physical reality, and the other one that phases in and out actually has a few different forms or shapes that it can shift into in its preferred shape ah. um, is the, the classical archetypal Yowie-looking, um, you know, outfit. But exactly. they can actually phase into other things, but they generally choose that one when they're in this reality. So in some ways, we may be dealing with 
a few different types. No, well, it's the same with little ones. We've got, we know of three sizes of little ones. We've got the ones that look just like us, but they're three foot high, and they're still alive. I saw a picture of them. We've got the picture with Birdsell standing next to a tribe of 150 of them. And two months after that picture was taken, the elder went up and said, we tire of what the white fellas are doing to this country. You will see us no more. Now, what's really interesting, they are renowned as being the great concealers and the camouflages in the bush. You can walk past them and you won't see them. And I remember saying that on the day to everyone there. And then we all walked past them, but the child, and we didn't see them. And this kid told us such a fantastic description of what they look like, but he didn't have any clues. What he should have said was, they look exactly like us, but half our size, because that's the picture I showed him. I didn't show him, because nobody has a picture of the hairy ones. They come and go as they please. And adults will never see them, but the children will, and they'll play with them. And there are many stories of um, original people, old men that said as young ones, they played with them out there, Evan. Yeah. They used to play with them common until things just got out of hand. So, yeah, it's, it's a common story, a, a story of fact, not myth, that they exist. But unfortunately... I don't believe that we'll ever make full contact with them until this change that's taking place is complete. I think they're standing back and watching. That's interesting. Why do you think they're Why do you think they're they're waiting for that? Well, Evans just got a picture up that was given to us by Donnie. Okay, and it was taken in 1938 by a white fella, and I'm looking at it right now. There's three children and a mother there. None of them got any clothes on. This is old way. Trust me. And standing behind the three children is a little hairy man, and he's about the height of the woman's shoulder, right? But she's sitting down. And that picture was taken in 1938. We know the story with that. The guy that took the picture said, when I took the picture, I didn't see him. I saw nothing. I saw three kids, four kids rather. I just saw the fourth one there. And the mother, I did not see that thing behind. So... What was the question you asked after that? Because Evan just put the picture up and it threw me. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. I I was wondering why I understand what you're referring to with regards to the the changes that are happening, the metaphysical changes that are happening on the planet at the moment. Yeah. Would you mind explaining a little bit about what's going on, if you can, if that's possible, for the Yowie Central listeners who I have broached this subject a few times on the show, but not a whole lot. So it's yeah, to sure do I with can. the ascension from 3D yep. to 5D, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. It began, um, we knew about a ceremony that was taking place at Uluru uh, uh, two years ago at the summer solstice. We knew about it six years before. The talk went everywhere. And when I was first told about this, oh, man, way back, we've actually been talking about this change for six years, and we, and we were told that they'll do everything they can. Mainstream will do everything. And we were, we were telling people there'll be epidemics, there'll be warfare, there'll be fear in the air, they're going to do everything to change this. Now, what actually happened was for nine years leading up to this ceremony, they were doing lead-up ceremonies. And it was decided the major ceremony would take place in the summer solstice two years back. And that's, of course, when we had a conjunction of Jupiter and Saturn 
along with the summer solstice, which is three planetary events, which is three, the magic number. Now, the story was the elders were going to sing, the, 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 there were crystals inside Uluru, and they actually gave a name for it. They called the whole thing the magic box. And that's the, the phrase we used when we spoke about this over the time that led up to this. Now, we, we knew a lot about it, and we were asked to take rocks to Uluru, which we did um, at the time. And then primarily, as we went through this, because there were so many things going on and so many people trying to stop this, we spoke for the year leading up to this on online conferences and probably 100 different interviews around the world. We told everyone involved we're not convinced it's even going to happen. But we, this is what was supposed to take place. The elders were going to do a ceremony that woke the crystals up. But what they needed for this to work, for the planet to heal itself, was the people who created the mess, which is humans. We've made this mess. No other animal did it. The seagulls didn't do it. We did all of it. And what's going to take place is that the, the humans had to put energy into that Uluru at that particular time. They had to meditate. They had to send positive energy to that rock at that particular time, 732. Okay. So what happened on that day? At 10 o'clock in the morning, the word got out that everyone that was in Uluru, because it opens at 7 o'clock, had been told to leave the place. And they chased everyone out. And the rock was closed all of that day and the next day. Never happened before, ever. Right? So everyone did their ceremonies. Now, the deal was if the ceremony was uh, effective and if the right number of people around the world joined into that ceremony, the crystals would energize the planet from within. And all of the chaos that was going to take place, because the planet, planet needs to heal, heal itself, and the problem with that is there were three ways this could happen. If the, cer the ceremony wasn't successful, the earth was going to tilt within three years after it. And the water would have gone around. It would have been like that movie where the monk is ringing the bell in the mountains and the water comes over the top. The problem with that is one thing only. Humans don't deserve to stay on this planet anymore. I have no issue with that. We have really have, as a collective, forfeited our right to stay here. But all the other animals didn't. They didn't break any laws. And why should they be punished? The Yowies didn't break any laws. The Yowies didn't break any laws. <laughs> the little ones didn't. They didn't trust us either. The crows can't stand us, and they're the smartest animals on this planet. <laughs> yes. All of them had nothing, did nothing wrong, but were going to be hammered. But we were given a number of people who had to meditate, and I was told at the time, we're never going to get it. Well, we got that wrong. It was around about 15 to 20 million people around this planet. It's the largest group meditation that has ever taken place on this planet ever. Wow. And all of them were aiming at Uluru. And this is in the middle of winter in Iceland. There were what pagan ceremonies taking place in Scandinavia where they stopped and pagan doofs and stuff and they meditated towards Uluru. We had 15 to 20 million people. Now, what that meant was the ceremony was successful. And, of course, you may or may not know, we actually have film of Uluru explaining, exploding at 7.36. It was filmed, and we've got it on our website. It's yes. locked in there. I've seen it. And what you've got is this massive surge of white light all around Uluru, but it did not touch the rock. And the people who filmed it never saw it, but the film did. 
we had another person who filmed the uh, Uluru at the same time, and there's a UFO hovering up above. We then since checked, and we've got a map of air traffic at 7.32, and there's one plane 500 k's away, a Jetstar plane, in a different direction. We also know that there was no helicopter that went out because we know the last people that went out and it landed at 5 o'clock. So, therefore, it wasn't a helicopter and it wasn't a plane. And, by the way, we're in the desert. We're meditating if it was a plane or a helicopter and there's nothing. You'd hear it, believe me. It wasn't any of those things. It was a UFO. We have countless pictures of amazing things that took place with the sky at that particular time that even the security guard said, I've never seen the sky like that before in my life, and no one has. Everything went bizarre. And what we also found at 7.32 exactly, the Schumann resonance increased 100-fold. So all these things, we've got a an article up there with about seven or eight pieces of amazing film of things that happened around the world at 7.32 to 7.36, things that can't be explained. So we know that that ceremony was successful. Now, what does that actually mean? It means this, that since that time, and most people know this, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, Sarah, the Schumann resonance now is going literally off the scale to the stage where for 24, 32 hours, it can't be measured. It's too high to be measured. And it's happening all the time, which means every person on this planet is now being pulled and torn apart as they try and balance themselves out, and you'll see the best and worst of coming out of people, which we know is true. Yes. This is part of the equation that's taking place. And it's good. You've got to remember something else too, ladies and gentlemen, is that the hobby spoke about the Blue Kachina, the two brothers coming. We've got film of them coming, of the Red Purifier. We've got film of that too in the sky. The Mayans talk about the two roads. All the indigenous people talk about a time of change. Well, it is upon us. But there's a, how can I put this? There's always a catch in this. And the catch is very simply this. The Hopi, who are the great keepers of the prophecies, have told us when the, the brothers show themselves, humans have to adopt the old teachings. They're very specific about this, and if they do not adopt the old teachings, they will not be welcome. Ah. They've made this prophecy very clear. Now, what this is now, ladies and gentlemen, from the time of that solstice, which happened two years ago, until the last solstice coming up at the end of this year, which will be the third solstice, now in the one that's coming up at the end of this year, lo and behold, we have a summer solstice, we have a lunar eclipse, and we're in alignment with Uranus, which is the planet of sudden change. <laughs> now, we have been told, we've been told reliable information that that will be the third ceremony. And after the third ceremony, that's it. Each human has to make a decision. And that's what these last, and you've got to be honest, from three years ago to now, when we first did this and we spoke of the two roads, Man, when we went to Uluru, we didn't wear masks. No one checked anything. We just checked in and moved in and did everything. And there was nothing was going on there. There was, there was a round. It was a round, but it wasn't two roads. There's two roads now. All around the world, there's two roads at the moment. And I want to make the point for people to think, oh, I don't really know if that's, this is true. Number one, go to our website and look at about 15 photos we put up of things that happened in the sky and in different positions around the place 
that just can never be explained under any normal situations. It did happen, but this is the trick. That solstice that takes place at the end of this year, that's it. If you don't commit yourself to this change, then you will not stay. Now, I want to make the point, I'm not saying that all the people that don't commit themselves to the change go to hell. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm saying is this. At that stage, the planet will ascend. It will become a different planet. It will vibrate at such a high level that unless your soul is ascended, it will literally kill you. You will not be able to exist. And that is why a lot of people now are turning to the dark side, if you want to call it that, because all of the stuff inside themselves is trying to be cleansed. This is the last nine months before that takes place. Our understanding is we don't know what happens past that point because all the prophecies talk about up until that point. Now, this is basically what has taken place. And now it's a matter for the people involved. Every person on this planet has to decide whether they're going to listen to the hobby or, if they want, listen to the wonderful selection of leaders we have leading us today. Let me think of some of those people, Joe Biden, Johnson, Putin, ScoMo. It is a wonderful selection of rubbish. <laughs> and look, most people even voting today look at what they choose and they think, oh, I don't want him, I don't want him. I don't want any of them. Oh, most of the I can relate to that. Australia are saying, oh, my God, they're all awful. Well, you got that right. But here's the point. This road that has been constructed for you that you're walking down, it's made around disease that will keep mutating and make us fearful. It's made around warfare that we knew. We told people, we were told by our elders there will be threats of war in the last year leading up there. Well, there have been. There are threats about terrorism. There are threats about the fact I might lose my job. There are threats about everything. And when I walk outside, will that person over there have a disease? Will I just breathe it in because I walk where someone else? They are creating a fear, of a, a climate of fear. And fear is the mind killer. Once you become fearful, you don't think anymore. It's very important you understand that. So that's one road. And many people are walking down that road, A, because they can't see another road, and B, because some of them like that road. But what you get from that is honestly, um, I remember reading an article in the Herald, and it was about some children, uh, kids who were in year 12 doing the high school certificate. And they'd spent two years in lockdown and they called it the years from hell. And that was the heading in the Herald. So what did we do to our kids for two years? We made hell on earth for them. That's the, that's the future we offer at the moment. And people are saying, well, there's nothing else. Well, there is. 15 million people meditated on a rock that might work. And that's all they got. But they did the leap of faith and decided, bugger it, even though these guys are saying it might happen. And I kept saying, let's do it anyway, because the alternative is appalling. But turned out, we now have evidence it worked. And now that means that, ladies and gentlemen, the end of this year, when the third solstice takes place, you either have to do two things to stay on this planet. When you come here each time, you have to learn two lessons in the classroom. One, you have to engage with love and magic. They are the same thing, by the way, but people don't quite understand that. That's the first thing. 
And the second thing, you have to work out why you are here and what you can do to better your soul. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Now, there are many people on this planet that are very good at the love part. They'll lay down their life for other people. But I'm told to stay here, you have to pass both subjects. You also have to understand why you're here, what is your purpose, what you can do and what your function is and how you can better yourself. And if you just want to go to the football and get drunk but be a nice person, I'm afraid that just doesn't cut mustard with this. So that's the tricky part of this game. So in a nutshell, and it's much deeper than that, that's primarily what that ceremony is about. And it leads on to consequences, ladies and gentlemen. And the consequences and the beauty of this is, and I love this part of it, is guess who's going to judge you? Yourself. <laughs> you get to judge yourself. There's no St. Peter at the gates. There never was. You will be the final arbitrator of whether you stay or go. My take is around about 80%, 85% of the population will not stay. It's going to be dramatic. Remember what the Bible said, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Well, this is when that happens. But I want to make a point, and you need to understand this point. Of the 85% that miss out, one person is going to be 15.0000001% on the list, but missed out by one word and one deed. Why are they going to be punished the same way as a Suros or a Gates or a General or so many others or a banker? I don't know. Why would they be in the same group? They're not. What that person needs to do, they will not incarnate on this planet. That's blocked out for now. They'll incarnate on a planet that's running at a lower vibration like this one was. And once they get that last deed and that last thought and that last word out of their system and cleaned up, they come back. So no one's been sent to hell, as some people have said. That's not what we've ever said. It's simply a matter of this. This planet, when it ascends, that vibration will run, and I've been told this by so many different beings, off-world and on-world, that will run throughout the cosmos. It is focal to everything that happens. And that is why aliens from all over the cosmos have been here for so long. They've come for this event. That's why they're here. People shouldn't be saying, are aliens here? That's a pointless question. The real question is not are, but why? And they came for this. 
And some have invested countless lives here and countless amounts of effort and expense and technology to watch us. And they've been at this planet for so long. And for the last 6,000 years, all we've done is kill ourselves. And they've stood back and guided and hoped that one day we get this right. Well, this is what they call the great event. This is why they came. And of course, remember way back, they used to live with us. Atlantis times, Lemurian times, they lived in the streets with us, but then they left and they swore they'd never come back until this renaissance came. Well, this is what it's about. This is what we came for. And that's why every person that's here right now came to this planet for this reason, whether they're off world or on world from before, it doesn't matter. All sorts of beings incarnate into that homo sapiens sapien body. And now, now that the world is going to change, Everyone's allowed to stay except one group and they have to get a ticket to ride. The rest, they stay in anyway. When the earth ascends, it'll just feel better for them. But for most of us, it would kill us. But we've still got nine months and that's what that's about. And what's that one group that isn't allowed to stay? Anyone that doesn't listen to the hobby prophecies. Mm -hmm. That's simple. Look, all the indigenous people on the planet had different skills that they brought to this global equation because it was a time when there was one language, the first language, which we now have a complete copy of. It fell into our hands a week ago. Okay. How to speak it again. We now have a complete uh, record of the very first language spoken on this planet. And at that time, we all lived the same way. We all lived old teachings. Now, old teachings don't mean you go outside in the bush and you become a hunter-gatherer. Because I'm not putting my hand up for that. Most of the time, <laughs> that is not what it's about. I'd be lucky to last a week. Oh. <laughs> exactly. <Maybe> five days. <laughs> Look, if that was the case, the 15% a month later would be 1%, and a month later after that there'll be a few left. No, that's not what this is about. It's about making every decision where the mother comes first, the earth. And every decision has the mother as the first and second and third priority and all the other ones fit after that, never before. El Pachamama becomes the beginning of everything. Things like that, the fact that we, that what we would do in education is we would give our boys and girls ceremony and initiation rather than sit them in a bloody hall and give them a computer and for three hours test how well they can read and then decide what sort of person they're going to be after that. That's a dangerous way to treat children. Everything will change and we'll go back to old way sensibilities, but we can still have our technology. We can have the free energy that Tesla found. The aliens know all about that and they'll share that with us. It'll change. So that's what this is all about. And the trick for every person is once you take that leap of faith and say to yourself, I don't want that road of fear, of pandemic, of warfare, of hatred, I want the other fear. I want the other road. I don't want a road where there's no fear and where everyone walks for the same thing and we walk with nature. So primarily, that's what's coming down the line. That's what you've been talking about to some of your friends through the uh, Yowie group. And that, I can tell you now, the Yowies sense this change too. They all do. They're excited. They seriously are because they know this world is going to be a much better place. But unfortunately... It's going to be heavily depopulated. But that's the choice of each person. And is there a, a ceremony planned for that solstice at the end of the year? 
Yeah, we, we, look, we took uh, our rocks to the. We actually, our ceremony was the closest one to Uluru, and we had three hundred people involved in that ceremony. I took those rocks to Uluru, some of those rocks to Uluru the day before, and I'll be doing a ceremony with the rocks. We may be at Uluru at that time. I'm not sure yet. There's a fairly good chance we will be, and we'll do it there. Um, if not, what we're going to be putting out the call as it gets closer is when that time comes, you'll be judged on that day, not the day before or the day before. It's how you finish the race, not how you start it. So like some people have said, oh, no, the time is finished. No, it's not. It's too late now. I've said, no, it's not. It's not too late. There's still time. That ceremony... What we would be asking people to do very simply is what we asked them to do the first time when 15 to 20 million people joined us. Stop at that time, get ready half an hour before, clean your head. Don't entertain one negative thought that comes inside your body while you do this and meditate on a sacred place. Any sacred place on this planet now is linked into Uluru. Uluru is the solar, spiritual solar plexus of the planet now. So, just go out into country. The one rule that we've made from this every time is when you go out into country, you must be in country. You've got to put your feet into the ground or put your hands onto a tree. You have to contact the earth when you do this meditation. If you sit in a high-rise building with concrete, your meditation is a waste of time and space. It will not work. Go down to a beach. Go down to a park. Go down to a garden. It doesn't matter. It has to be done on the earth because you're now giving your energy to the earth. And after that, all our ceremonies will be about empowering ourselves through contact with the planet again. That's what comes after this event. Wow, that's something to look forward to. What, what was the, when's the solstice again? I can't remember. Is it December? 21st of December. I don't know the time because the first time it was 7.30 at night, which was quite pleasant. The second time it was three o'clock in the morning, which we had to wake up for, and I wasn't very happy about that. But then again, about 15 million people in the first ceremony were in the Northern Hemisphere, so they weren't real happy. So they were literally in the snow. They were yeah, literally right. in the snow. You've got to remember, this is December, the middle of their winter. Mm. In Iceland, it's uh, they were in the ice, but they went out and did it. They were having to fill their um, shoes. Um, oh, with, with feathers. Fe feathers and, um, and grass. And moss. <laughs> because oh. they, if they took their shoes off too long, they'd end up Oh, no. Yeah, of course. <laughs> But they did it. There was 15 to 20 million people around the planet that did it. And those people should be really proud of themselves because in years to come, they can say, I personally was part of the group that healed this planet forever. Yeah. And that, that to say that to your grandchildren, and by that stage, the change will have taken place and they'll be fully inside that change. And our children are going to be taught completely differently than they are now. There'll be no more competition with tests where you get graded by how well you read for the rest of your life. It won't be like that. It'll be cooperative stuff. They'll be learning how to ask questions. And they'll be learning indigenous stories. They'll be learning about the dreaming. They'll be learning about spirituality. They'll be learning about the truth of magic. And they'll be seeing magic. That's the most important part of this equation. We will become magical again. Now, you probably know that my elder was a clever fella. And he's the sort of person that did what we can all do. And he made that clear once. One day when um, we spent 
uh, a week in country with a person called Graham Hancock. I did that under condition he did ceremony last day with Kano. And we flew down to Adelaide, then off to Kangaroo Island. And what actually happened was we were sitting around the big fire pit there at around about tea time and I was making tea and then Kano turned up, done up old way with a lap lap and all the paint, all the ochre across his body. And it was singing, first language. And he'd speak a bit in English and he was giving Graham Hancock ceremony. And he did that for all of us. Then he walked back one step when he was finished outside the fire pit. Evan was there and 10 other people there. They'll all tell you the same story. And when he did the second step, he disappeared. He was gone for a minute. Right. And he reappeared standing behind Christine, his wife, with a big smile on his face. (laughs) And Christine said later, somebody asked Christine, how did he do that? And he said, I've never seen him do that one before. That was new. (laughs) And anyway, everyone came up to me because Hakano had given me ceremony and they knew I could talk to him because they were scared of him. They wouldn't look at him because he was too, he was far above us. When he looks at you, he looks through you and sees everything you've ever done in your life. He undresses you. So they came up and said, go and ask him what he did, how he did that. Because and Graham asked me too. I said, mate, I'm not going near him. I'm not asking the <laughs> question because whatever I get back won't be the answer. But someone, the next day someone did. And he said, that party trick, he said, that's nothing. He said, anyone can do it. See that curtain over there? And the gentleman said, no. He said, well, I can see it and you can't. He said, that's where I stood behind. I just stood behind there for a minute and then came back. <sighs> he said, but it's open for everyone. Everything he can do, and I could give you an hour of stories what people would call miracles that Kano did. And he kept saying the same thing. That is the capacity that every human on the planet had, but no longer has. Now, my point is this. If I was to say to a person, if you were able to talk to a red kangaroo, and that red kangaroo could tell Kano what we did 3,000 k's away four hours Uh, before on site and then he could ring us up and tell us everything we did if you could disappear in front of others if you could call eagles at your beck and call and they would come for you if you could go onto a sacred site and call hawks to circle eight of them in a figure eight above your head would you want that power and i swear to you if i said you can have that or a flat screen tv (laughs) anyone with a brain in their head will say i want that power thank you yeah my response to that is you have it And if you get on the right road, you'll get it back. And if you walk on the wrong road, you'll get nothing. You'll get absolutely nothing in return. Now, I know that the government is fully aware of what we're doing. I know that on the day of that ceremony, the government colluded with Jetstar and the Northern Territory government to try and destroy the whole ceremony. Right. We know they did that. and We've got proof. And there were 300 people who backed me up. We know those things happened. I know right now that our website, our Facebook, we've been completely banned from anybody. Nobody. We can't reach anyone anymore. It's called right? shadow banning. It's so called shadow banning. Uh, yeah, yeah. The question is, and I've got a box of letters threatening to put me in jail. I mean, they're full letters where I've got to write 43 answers, and I've got about seven or eight of these official letters, and everyone swear they were going to put me in jail. Why would the government be doing all this stuff if we were talking rubbish? Exactly. Why would they do it? Why would they waste their time? I mean, right now, Evan tried a dozen different ways to break this shadow ban we've got, and every time within a couple of seconds, it would come back straight away and say, warning, we are a danger to everything. Now, all we do is we don't talk about 
the other thing, the disease thing. We don't talk about Russia. We only talk about archaeology. We ban all other talk, don't we, Evan? We do. And in return for that, I've had an ASIO agent since 2015. My phone is bugged. And now we've been shadow banned. Now, I would ask you, why is all that happening if we're talking rubbish? Very good questions. Mm. They just wouldn't care. They just no, wouldn't care. Go. No. Why, why do, see, that's the point. Why do they care? They care because of the fact, and let's think about this. Did you know, ladies and gentlemen, within six hours of that ceremony that took place at Uluru that was successful, did you know the Pentagon announced six hours after that they were going to do an investigation into UFOs? <laughs> right. Now, people would say, oh, that's just a coincidence. No, it's not a coincidence. Why is it six hours after? Would they have made that announcement if we didn't have enough people to turn the thing on? And do you think that we were the only ones that filmed Uluru exploding like that? They've got satellites there watching this whole damn thing. Don't worry about that. They know it happened. They know it happened. So what have they done since then? They've made this place miserable to live in. The whole planet is a misery right now. And they will continue to do this. I want you to think about Hitler when he was losing the war and he left the country. What did he do? Bomb the crap out of it. Create absolute fear and chaos as he left. And that's what this mob is doing. Exactly the same thing. They've lost the war, but they can take as much collateral damage as they want over the next, well, it was three years and now it's nine months. All part of the story. So if... If any of the listeners decide they are, they might already be interested in this subject uh, or they decide they really want to choose the higher path rather than the lower path, what, yep. what, how would they go about working towards uh, that summer solstice? We can help them here. I've got to explain the situation. As you probably know, we have a massive collection of sacred rocks, okay? Yeah. They're magical. Right? And it's the largest collection in this country. It's been bought and given to us all over the country. It's been pouring in for years now, and we have hundreds of them. Most of them are down in Adelaide already because we're going to set them up on Ramanjiri country. I made that agreement with Wakano way back, and they all go into formation, and people can sit between them. And if they sit between them, they'll come out a different person. Now, that might sound a really bold claim to make, but I want to tell you a story about that. And when I tell you that story, you'll know it is true. Now, we've been putting these rocks in formation for two years now because I, I normally what I always did was I brought elders in and we give ceremony for them. And that's happened for quite some time. But they insisted they wanted to go public about two years ago. And we did that. But I made it a rule when people sat between the rocks never to tell me what happened. I told them you're doing a, a sea dreaming with the rocks and the rocks have made it clear it's none of my business because if I hear what you say, I might give an opinion, but I didn't do the ceremony, and therefore you have to work it out yourself, okay? That's always been the rule, and I stuck by that, and we waited because what we were going to do is we, we had the land on Ramanjeri country at Kangaroo Island, and we started, I left rocks there to begin with, and we were about to put them in there when the land was taken off, the Ramanjeri, and it is their land. It doesn't belong to any other tribe. They were kicked off the cultural centre and they're not allowed to come back. I thought it was coincidental, just as we're about to put the rocks on, that happened. But then, don't worry, ladies and gentlemen, soon after, a multimillionaire had some land and he was prepared to give us three acres of that land 
which will be worth about two or three million dollars because it's 400 meters from the ocean and there's nothing in front of it and it's got beautiful views over the whole ocean and it's in Ramanjeri country. Wow. Sounds good, doesn't it? Yeah, how kind of that I person. I took the rocks down. We had a building given to us, fully done up. They laid down containers to put the displays in. They put down four and a half, I think about 450 ton of sand to flatten the whole thing out. Going really well. We got a committee of about 15 elders working. Once a month we had a meeting. It was all going really well. And lo and behold, the gentleman that gave us the land, 50 police, fully armed, came to his place, searched it for five hours and found a loaded shotgun. He was put in jail seven months ago and still hasn't been charged. But what has been told is the land is now being given to someone else, his wife, and his wife has been told that everything he agreed to do must not happen if it does, we'll take the land off you. Oh, no. So we lost the land again. Oh. Now, you could say they're both coincidences, but I don't <laughs> think so. I, I don't really think so. don't. Yeah. So what happened was this. The Rocks became annoyed about this because they thought they want to be up there now, this year. And we thought by now we would have had them there and people could come for 10 minutes to sit between the Rocks and we were going to charge them $10 so they could afford it, right? That was the deal. This is what we're going to do. And they knew that. So what happened is we had a problem. The rocks were upset. And I knew this was an issue. I knew that this was not going to be ready. They're actually, we've got another committee meeting and they're trying a third thing right now as I'm speaking. And we're going to put it up on our website. And we do online conferences and we do stuff like that. We talk about that. You can find out that through there. But it, this What happened was this. I got a phone call from where we live. We live up near a place called Byron Bay, and there's some people that rang up near Main Arm, and they've got a community school that was starting there. And they knew about the rocks. One of them went to the ceremony we did at Uluru, and she said, could you bring the rocks and welcome to country? I said, it's not my country. I can't welcome to country. It's not my country. I said, what I can do is I can give your children ceremony. Now, I've never done it to kids before, and I knew the reactions were great, but I'd, I've never quantified them. Anyway, I took the kids, 13 of them, and I sat them down and said, okay, you're all going to do five minutes, not 10, five for children, 10 for adults, right? And I said, you're going to have to wait. And because there were 13 kids, it was 65 minutes. Now, I used to be a teacher, and I've got kids there from 11 to 6. I thought, one and a half hours I'm going to need these kids. I told them, go and play. Because as a teacher, what you never do is you don't keep a group of kids for an hour and a half with nothing to do and tell them to sit in one spot because <laughs> you will get chaos. That's the way it works <laughs> yeah. with kids, right? So I said, okay, so I'm going to get the first kid to come in, and he did. He went in. It was the oldest there, and I said, you're the oldest here, mate. You're the one who left to look after these kids. These rocks want to talk to you first. Oh, okay, so he went in, okay? And he went in, and then they all went through there. Now, i got to tell you, halfway through, I was freaking out as a teacher because I'm looking around. They're all sitting there quietly. I went back to them halfway through. Look, go and play. Don't sit here all the time. You're going to get bored. I said, they're going to blow up any minute, man. I've got a preemptive this. Go and play. So two kids went off and played, and the others just sat there. And then 10 minutes later, the kids came back and sat again. And it dawned on me. They just wanted to sit near the rocks. Uh-huh. They didn't talk. They didn't punch one another. They whispered to each other. They just sat like, and one of these kids, the last one to go in was six. That kid waited for over an hour to get in. That just normally doesn't happen, but it did here. But here's where it gets interesting. The first kid went in, and I told all the parents, don't want to hear what's going on. Don't tell me. 
One parent came up and said, I'm going to tell you what happened to my son. I said, I told you I don't want to hear it. He said, but I don't care. You have to hear it. <laughs> I said, all right then. <laughs> okay, because she was quite insistent. <laughs> said, my son, after he left there, he went down to the creek and sobbed. I thought, oh, God, I'm in trouble here. He sobbed and sobbed. He's never cried in his life until now. He cleaned himself out. Then he had these visions he told me about. And I won't tell you about them, but it's changed him. And I looked at him and I realized straight away, he went in as a child and he came out as a young man. He was changed, completely changed. And she said, this is not the same child I had before. He is so different. He's had these visions and he's believing all of them. He's, he's seeing things he's never seen before. And then his brother came up to me and he said, well, when I go in, I'm going to apologize because I wriggle all the time. All the teachers say I can't keep still. Oh, bless. I said, oh, yes, but this is different, my friend. It's not a teacher you're going next to. Now Now you're going with the rocks. So he sat inside that rock for five minutes and did not move once. I came out and patted him on the back and he said, you did it. And he said, I did. I've never done that before. <laughs> what dawned on me is these rocks can cure anybody, a child or adult. And that night I went home and I really got taken in. Now I know I was forced to be here to hear that story. And it really worried me that these rocks could do this and we were needed now. And that night, as I was going to beg, the rocks, the rings, the skulls of the aliens we've got, the flat-headed skulls, all of them collectively told me that we are to do presentations at our farm every month. That's what I'm leading up to, okay, where people... We invite people, we put on a workshop and we show them the skulls. We, sh we actually let them touch the rocks with gloves. Nobody but me in this country is allowed to touch them unless I give them permission with their fingers. It'll kill them. And that story, they've got plenty of stories about that, which I won't talk about now because the rocks have actually killed people because they broke the law and touched them. And we won't go into that, but that's true. I'm not making that up. I've seen what these rocks do when people touch them. You just don't touch them. Right. It's a bit like Lord of the Rings, man. Some people said, but they called me and I said to them, have you never seen the bloody film? <laughs> My precious. <laughs> you don't answer. Gandalf didn't answer. It's nor did Galadriel. And they both said I've passed because <laughs> I didn't respond there. So what happened was they demanded that we sit them, we bring them here. And we did this for the first time. And this is what I'm leading up to. And what I decided to do, because I'm a scientist, I had a workshop survey and I had about, I think about 15 categories where you write from one to 10. And the first thing is, was the experience directed towards the mind, the soul or the whole body, right? And they go for one to 10. The manner of contact, hair stands on end, vision, a voice, telepathic contact, chills, heat, feeling energy waves from the circle. The type of mission, message, premonition, sensation of well-being, wisdom shared, Energy inflow charging body, energy inflow charging soul, or charging mind. And they were supposed to put answers on there. Now, here's what's interesting, ladies and gentlemen. Of the 33 people, because we took four groups, one all morning, one all afternoon on Saturday, and the same on Sunday, right? And of those four groups, one person didn't get a reaction. And we make a guarantee if people come and do this, they get one-third, it's a four-hour presentation, and they get one-third of the money they paid for the 10 minutes if it doesn't work. Now, that one person who didn't get a reaction didn't pay for their ticket. 
the people who paid for the ticket pulled out the day before and they grabbed these two people to come. They didn't know who we are. Everyone was told to wear gloves. They didn't bring gloves. They didn't know a thing about it. And one of those people, one in particular, the one that put down nothing, said something within two minutes and I looked at her and thought, the rocks aren't going to like you, dear. They're not going to like you at all. That was not a good thing to say. And she did two more things further on that made me think the same thing. She got nothing. She put down one for everything. And I was pleased about that because I didn't want the, I don't want the rocks to feed people who aren't ready. I'm not criticizing her and saying there's something inside her that's still not resolved. She's not ready for this. But here's the trick. Of the other 33, two of them had scores in the threes and fours, and they were, that was it. All the rest went from seven to 10. Now, this is where it gets interesting. When it comes to energy uh, waves coming from the circle, 33, 32 out of 33 felt it. And the scores started at six and went to 10. And on the 10, there were 20 people out of the 33 gave it the maximum score. So we know that was the first thing that was interesting. The second thing I found quite interesting was the 28. The 28 was a sensation of well-being. 28 of the 33 people had that. And their scores started from six and went up to 10 again. And this happened time after time after time. The results were fantastic. Uh, when it comes to were you affected by the mind, 26 out of 33 said the mind, 28 out of 33 said the soul, and 26 out of 33 said the whole body. Now, sometimes they didn't mark each one of them, okay? Everybody got contact of some form. What blew me away was the manner of contact. I was quite shocked by this because when I wrote down those things, one of the things I wrote down, I thought, why am I putting down the word heat? Why would I expect if they sit inside the circle, but the circle's about a metre away, they sit in the middle of it, why would they feel that? I still remember thinking, why will I put that in? I'll bugger it, I'll leave it in there. And guess what happened? In manner of contact, it was 32 out of 33 scored for um, energy waves from there, but the highest one that came after that, 20 uh, feeling energy waves out of 10. The next 10 on that list was heat. 11 out of the 33 people gave it a score of 10 for heat. Now, the beauty of this is that every sheet was different. No sheet was the same. Each person was being healed differently to the others. The next one after heat on nine was vision. Then eight heard voices. Six had telepathic uh, communication. Each one was different and the numbers were different. You could put the 33 sheets and say the one thing they share in common is the fact that every one of them is completely different. So what we've got from that is, and what we are doing, is we're running one of those workshops I think the beginning of each month, I think one's coming up the beginning of next month, and we're going to do it for every month leading up to December. Because once we get to December, it doesn't matter. We'll do the last one in December, and after that, ladies and gentlemen, you're on your own. There's nothing we can do past that point. So that's one thing I'm recommending people if they want to do that. Now, the second thing we do is we run monthly online conferences and what we do there is we just talk about the stuff we're talking about now. We talk about different aspects of how you can learn, and we particularly do a lot teaching them about old way teachings. 
because the Hoppy said that's one of the things you've got to learn. You've got to understand that. And I think this time we're going overseas a bit, aren't we, Evan? Yeah. We're doing Carmen Balter's work on Atlantis and um, Lemuria, which is part of old way teachings. And in the future, all our children will learn about that again. Because as you probably know, we do have the three rings from Atlantis and we've got about nine from Lemuria. And we know that's legit too. So that's, and I mean, the other way I'm going to suggest, if you don't want to go to any of those conferences, that's fine. Go to our website because all our articles are free. So sometimes, I mean, we charge for the conference and we charge for people coming here because we, it costs us a lot of money to put that on. Yeah. But we also make it clear that everything we also charge for is also free. So if you don't want to come to any of this stuff, just go to our uh, online to our website, which I think you still can get to at the moment. It hasn't been destroyed yet, has it, Evan? Touch wood. Touch wood, yes. <laughs> well, I got on, at the moment. I got onto <laughs> it today, really so it's sure still there. I'm not what's going on anymore. I've got to be honest with you. But I've got to make the point. The rocks we have are part of this change. That's why they're here. That's why they've come. And I know for a fact an absolute empirical fact. And what we're going to do is every time people come, we ask them to fill out this survey. And I'm collecting all this so I can put them into percentages. And because it's in numbers and is done with graphs, then mainstream academia love that sort of stuff. And I'm going to write a paper up and say that these rocks are real. And here's the best part, because people are going to say they just said this to curry your favour or just to fit in well. And I would say to them, I want you to think about this. It's in the interest of everyone there to say I didn't get a thing and get a $50 refund. It is, actually. It makes the whole thing. You're getting three and a half hours in the first one. You would get that for 70 bucks, right, because you get 50 back. We gave people an incentive to say they got nothing. Now, we give them money back, and what we said is if you just come up to us and say nothing happened, you don't have to explain why we will give you the $50 cash in hand then. So we've gone out of our way to give people a reason to say nothing happened. So therefore, everyone who puts down a 10 has just lost $50. If they put down ones all the way through, they would have got their money back. <laughs> but that's one of the reasons, one of the ways we're trying to cover ourselves here. And the second reason, the reason I'm doing that, and I did it before, is because I know these rocks are both technologically beyond the capabilities of today and because we don't have a visual, I can't show you the rocks, but you would see that. And you go to our website and see it anyway, because they're there. But they're also part of what Kano spoke about when magic ruled this planet. So that's what they're, they're then within them. Believe me, they contain magic, but their magic is personalized. And I make a point, and I'll make this to anyone that feels like I want to do this. I want to make the point, if you sit inside those rocks for 10 minutes, they have you. I've got to make that point. They will make a lasting impression and they will never leave you. That's the point you've got to remember. I was told that night with the children, I was told by the parents that their children had never slept. All of them had never slept like they did that night. <laughs> so what we're offering is if you're that person who's rude at the start, didn't pay for this, but someone else said, come on the day, but said one thing where they even insulted my wife, which I did not like at all. Wow. I can tell you that now, but I bit my tongue. <laughs> I said nothing. I just looked at her and said, I hope the rocks react to you like I am right now, <laughs> and you get nothing. And I was sweating when I went through there. I was hoping 
that because I just didn't want this lady because she had not earned the right to sit between the rocks. And that was one of the things when the rocks told us we had to put the ceremony on here. I've got to tell you, Evan didn't want it. I didn't want it, nor did my wife. Okay? We didn't want this to happen. We weren't keen at all. But I told both of them, you've got to remember one thing. This is what the rocks want. And you know what happens when you don't listen to the rocks. And don't worry, my wife and my son both know exactly what happens when you don't listen to the rocks, and that's why we're doing it. So if you want to clean yourself up and get ready, go to our website for starters, okay, and find out the whole story. Look at the empirical evidence because we're scientists. And I mean, when we say rings from Atlantis, you wait until you, read, until you read the proof. You'll find out that they are the rings from Atlantis. And what Tolkien was talking about is real. That part's true. The part about Yowies is true. The part about the little people is true. And the part about that ceremony we did is true. What people need to understand, whether you like it or not, old ways are coming back. And that's why the Hoppy said, since they're coming back, you better embrace them. And if you don't embrace them, you can't stay. Well, I will be definitely signing up for a workshop to have the, the honour of sitting in the Circle of Stones. That sounds absolutely amazing. I'd, I'd love to do that. So I will sign up. I'll, if I can't make it to the next one, it'll be the next one after that. Well, look out for the ones that follow because we've got the next one up and there's still a few seats left in that one. And then we're doing them the months that follow after all the way through. Um, the next one is like a lot of people complained and said they wanted it longer. And I'm thinking, well, it's all right for you to say that, but we've got to do four of them in yeah. two days. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> but the next one is longer. It goes for four hours. And we do it in a completely different way. What we actually do is we have a, a, a group in, the, in our arts, my wife's art studio where we're, we're looking at skulls and we're doing hands-on with other rocks where we put gloves on and they're going to play archaeologists and work out what they are, what they mean and how that happened. And then when they, they come back in and out every 10 minutes, because what happens is for those 10 minutes, you're not to be distracted. You're on your own with those rocks. I have someone sitting nearby to make sure that no one has that urge to put their hands on a rock, okay? Because I'm not joking. They want to heal you, but you do not have, they do not know you. And protocol, I've got to tell you, the rocks nearly killed me about three times because I didn't know protocol. These ones are addicted. I know it now. I know their protocol. I know what they want, how they're touched, how they move, and I know how to set them up. But no one else is allowed to do that. But what they do want to do, and I know they can do it because I'm looking at the results in front of me on a piece of paper on the workshop survey, is they want to get inside you. And they want to change you from the inside out. There was one person who was quite interesting. One of it was... One person said here, and they said they didn't put a mark for any of the types of messages because what happened is that what the, he said was the rocks didn't go to him. He went into the rocks. He went the other way. He oh. completely went into him. He said it was a different way. I went inside the rocks myself. So there were, like I said, every, and another person said the manner of contact. One person said I just wept for 10 minutes. I haven't got a spot for that. So even with all these things I've written down, there were still other ways they reacted to people that I hadn't even con considered. I mean, I've got to be honest with you. When I wrote down heat, I thought, why am I writing that? And I'm looking here now, and there's 11 on 10. And then there's some on 9 and 8 and 7. But And then, of course, about half of them got nothing from heat. But then the heat people didn't get the voice one. So it sort of like varies all the way around. 
Some people wrote at the bottom when I asked for comments, some people wrote something like this. This was a common one. There are no words that can describe what happened. So that's what we're suggesting. For those people who don't know about this, there's three ways you can do it. You can go to our website and just read about the information and get it that way. But if you want to get closer, you can come to our online conferences where we talk about it. But if you want to get real close, you can come to our place. It's in the rainforest. You'll be living inside rainforest. You won't hear any cars here. You're surrounded by the forest and the animals. And it's the right place to do meditation for 10 minutes. And let me close with this. I've got to make this, in this quite interesting about the 10 minutes. Quite recently, an original lady who's a singer, songwriter, wanted to write songs about the rocks, which she's doing at the moment. And that's not the first time. A guy from the Australian Crawl, the actual guitarist, has tried to do that too, Simon Binks. He tried to write songs about the rocks, and they were brilliant. And what was interesting is this, that, okay, you can do ceremony for 10 minutes. And what happened was um, I left her because I don't want it. You, it's on your own. This is all on your own. I'm not supposed to hear what's going on or be part of it. This is the whole point of it. Anyway, I knew when 10 minutes were, and as I was walking back out in the house to go outside where she was, the phone rang. I had to pick it up very quickly and say, look, I'm sorry, I've got to do something, ring back later. But that meant I'd gone past 10 minutes. I walked out to the front veranda, and she's walking out of the circle. And she said to me, they told me to get out, and they told me I had five <laughs> seconds to leave, and I had to run out of the room. I said, oh, I'm sorry. I meant to get you about 10, 15 seconds ago, got held up by the phone. They made it very clear. It's 10 minutes for adults, five minutes for children, and believe it or not, two minutes for babies. <laughs> We've even done an 11-month-old baby. Oh, wow. <laughs> and the mother wrote back and said that was the highlight of my day there. The baby went ballistic she was just laughing with her eyes just opened up and all she could do was smile it was quite stunning to look at the reaction the baby had so here's the trick if it can work on an 11 month old baby it can work on any human being that is breathing but under one condition you must have said to yourself at least i want to get on this road if you're saying, I'm not so sure now, I'll, I'll think about it, don't come because what you're doing is you're blocking someone else who can come that is ready. And if you want to come but you know you're not ready, then ask yourself, what is it about yourself that is holding you back? And my suggestion is get rid of it. You're running out of time. I suppose the best way to finish is to remind people that if you go to the Bible, you'll find they talk about a golden age. If you go to every religious text, you'll find they talk about a golden age. Have you guys heard of the, the saying in the Bible in Corinthians, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth? Yes. you heard that one, haven't you? Yes, of course. Yep. Do you know the line that comes before it? Oh, no, I can't remember. It's the more important line. <laughs> And it's never quoted because people don't like what it sounds like, do they, Evan? Yeah. It talks about, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. That's the next sentence. I'm sure Paul knows it. Oh, Paul would know it. Don't oh, Paul would know it, of course. He, know all of it, mate. Don't he knows the that. Bible backwards, back, to, back well, to front, doesn't yeah. he? Well, this is why I'm very comfortable saying this because I know it's right and I know it's Corinthians, so Paul won't be correcting me on that. <laughs> Line before talks about the ones who are leading at the moment. And it says, this will happen to the meek when this takes place. They will look and they will be there. 
they will look away, and when they look back, they will be gone. Do you know what the hoppies say about after the change? They say this, those that are not on the road shall be like a puff of smoke. You look away, and when you come back, the smoke disappears. Right. So I've now quoted from Corinthians, and I've quoted from the hoppy, from the blue kachina prophecy about what's going to take place. So ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to close with this. There is not an indigenous group on this planet. You ask the Hopi, you ask the Cherokee, you ask the Inuit, they will tell you the change begins in Australia. You ask the Artemartha, they say this, it began here, it will end here, and it will begin again here. We are now in that stage. If the world was ever in more chaos than now, the answer is never, never. Everyone on this planet is fearful, Everyone is scared and the whole system is imploding. This is the beginning of the end. But the good news is that. The bad news is if you want to sign up, it's not an easy ask. You have to clean yourself up. You've got to get rid of all the anger, all the judgments and all the things that make you human, because every human on this planet incarnated now for one reason only, because they're not perfect. They have issues. None more than me. I will tell you now, I'm not even convinced I will be in that 15% because I have plenty of issues that I've still got to clean up. None of us. And I've heard of some people who claimed I'm in the river already and claimed that I am now basically perfected and I've heard those people and I know them I look at them and say my god you're so far from this river to proclaim you're there yourself that you've got some real issues to deal with and it's called as a three-letter word they've got to deal with and it's called the ego if you are there you would never announce it you would present it but you would never claim it and if you claim it you've made a mistake this is a difficult ask for humanity. And I said before, 85% won't make it. But if you do understand that if you start to work out that hugging a tree is a good idea, that walking on the earth and honoring all of the planet and all of the animals and the magic within this planet is our future. And if you're prepared to lock that into your head, then you're on the right road. And that's what this is all about, ladies and gentlemen, is being on the right road. And this is the time to get on it. And if you don't get on with your Gregory Street map by the end of this year, guess what's going to happen when you open the pages? They'll all be gone. You won't know where to go. And then you'll have to get on the road with the others. And that's a road you will never get back from. So primarily, that's what this is about. And like I've said, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to clean yourself up that's what these rocks are doing and that's why every person got a different reaction because no two humans on this planet are the same there are not there are seven billion place faces on this planet and none of them look the same with all the other animals all the budgies look like budgies different colors and stuff but primarily it's the same body humans half a meter two and a half meters 40 kilos, 400 kilos. What colored eyes? Any color. What type of fingerprints? All different. What retinal pattern? All different. Heartbeat pattern? All different. Everything about us is different. 
So each one of us has got to find our own path. And how do I know we're all different? Because I'm looking at the results of this survey. And no two people were cured the same way. But I can tell you, some of those people walked back into the room. I saw it with their eyes wide open. Sometimes they see me stumbled back in the room. But they came back better people. Very much like that 11-year-old child that came back cleansed and healed and ready to change the world. And remember, it's our children we're doing this for. And you've got to say to yourself, is this the world we have today you want your grandchild to walk in? And if the answer is yes, get off the planet. This is not what our grandchildren. And remember the original people and the Indians always talk about their grandchildren. What are we leaving for them? Do you really want to leave what we've got today for our grandchildren to grow up in? I don't. I've got one. And I think it's appalling what we're giving them at the moment. Here's the way around this. All you've got to do is sign up. And how do you do that? Sign it on your soul. That's what this is about. Clean your soul up. And if you can't do that, but it's getting there and you need a little nudge, but you're on the right road, we don't ask for perfection to sit between the rocks. I've got to tell you that because if that's the case, I can't sit there either. <laughs> no, I can't either. <laughs> Nobody can. That's the point. We're all, I'm still cursed with quite a few things that it shouldn't be, I shouldn't think. In fact, because I've worn the rings from Atlantis, it's constant. It never stops. I'm in a constant state of defilement. But we all are. And that's what you've got to clean in, clean up. And you've got to clean your ego up. You've got to realize Mesref, one of our guides, we've got an alien guide that we do on our online conferences. We do question and answers with him every time. And he was asked, what's the most important thing that humans can learn in the time leading up there? He said, the first thing they've got to do is to learn how to hate themselves. Only then can they love themselves, which means very simply, and he said to me once, what would that be like? He said, it'd be like smiling, a forced smile when you don't want to. And he gave us examples of what you could do that hate yourself. And I never thought of them like that. And it's very obvious. You have to, first of all, before you think you're going to love yourself, you've got to learn to hate because there's things inside you that you came here to clean up. And until you clean them up, it's no good praising yourself for what you got right. You already got that part right. That's the part you missed here. It's the parts you got wrong that you came here for. The problem is this time, you don't have to clear them up, but you've got to acknowledge them. That's the trick here. You've at least got to say, I've got this in here that's wrong. I see it. Maybe you can't get rid of it straight away, but if you can see it, the rocks will take you in and they'll help you. But if you can't see it and one that came didn't, after insulting my wife, man, fair income, I was close to asking her to leave then. But I thought, no, I'll, I'll take a breath. I'll take a breath. She thought she made a funny joke and no one laughed at. And I didn't because I thought, why should I bother? It's not my life. It's hers. So that's what this is about, ladies and gentlemen. Clean yourself up, get ready and take a huge leap of faith. And if you need some empirical evidence to back that up and i don't i understand that i was a teacher i was a principal and a head teacher i know what it's all about i've been in schools for a long period of time and i know what they do to the spirit and the spirituality we kill it the death of a thousand cuts and when they get out in year 12 it's nearly gone that's the whole point of schooling ladies and gentlemen to take the magic away from the children 
But in the future, it won't be like that. So I think we should finish it on that. Well, I, I am deeply grateful to both of you for giving me your time and that incredible wealth of knowledge. I'm sure my listeners will, will really enjoy this conversation as much as I have. Stephen and Evan Strong of Our Alien Ancestry and Forgotten Origin, Our Alien Ancestry. If you're interested in doing one of their conferences or sitting inside the Circle of Sacred Stones in their workshop, head to ouralienancestry.com. I will post the links that Evan sent me. You could hear them popping through on Skype while we were talking. Uh, I'll post those to the Yowie Central Facebook page. Remember, if you've had a sighting, whether it be a big hairy fella or a little hairy fella, other cryptid creatures or something else in the paranormal realm, I would love to talk to you and I know that the Yowie Central listeners would love to hear your story. So get in touch with me via yaoicentral at gmail.com or via the Yowie Central Facebook group. I've also got a new email address and domain name, which is pretty exciting, sarah at yaoicentral.com. It's to go with my new website, which is still under construction but almost ready. I think there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's one front page there ready to go, but uh, the rest of the website isn't there yet. Um, so the new email is sarah at yaoicentral.com, but I will be keeping the yaoicentral at gmail.com uh, for quite some time yet. So that's all I've got for you today, my friends. Yaoi Central will be back next Wednesday. So I'll catch you then. Stay safe. Out in the cold, out in the dark, something's lurking at the edge of the park. People be warned, people beware, there's a storm on the rise and it's covered in hair. Hear him cry, hear him howl, looking for someone to disembowel. Claws like a hook, eyes like coal, feet so big they're gonna crush your soul. They call him Sasquatch. diamond ring your fancy jacket won't be worth a dime when you're sucking the blood right out of your spine
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.